you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right. Good morning, Clay. How are you? Mark, I'm awesome. How are you today? I'm good really good. It's, it's good. It's cold out here in California. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, believe it or not, I mean, last night, I mean, we're getting some uh, hail and some frost and everything else in the last couple of days. It's a little bit unusual for California weather. But, um, you know, how? I mean, when I, I was just out in Georgia here a, a week or so ago, and it was nice out there. It was California really weather nice out today. there. So. Yeah, it was really nice. So, so let me, uh, I'll introduce you, Clay. So, I mean, what number of black belt do you or mine? I'm number 72. Number, You're in the top 100, huh? I am. Yeah, okay. So we got together uh, quite a few years ago. We'll talk about that in a second. But Clay Pearson owns the uh, Statesboro Martial Arts out in Georgia. And he uh, was my number 72, I guess, um, way back in the days when we started. And... Uh, He's past. He's a pastor, and uh, I'll let you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Also, Clay, and talk about your family, your boys, married now, and and your wife. And I'll, with no further ado, Mr. Pearson, go ahead and introduce yourself. So I'm Clay Pearson, and uh, you know, so we're here doing the same thing you guys do that Mark does in his school here in Georgia, and have been for almost 25 years now. So at this point, you know, I'm blessed that we're a family of four martial arts masters underneath the American Toxido Alliance, myself, my wife, and my boys, Daniel and Dave. And we've been at this a while. There's, there's three schools, um, taught a bunch of people and took what we were given and have done our best to, to spread it. And what a wild ride and adventure it is. And, you know, we see ourselves as serving God in the martial arts world and you know, pastor of church too, trying to stay connected. We've always connected with the kind of people that were in our schools. So, well, we have a, we have a great history together and uh, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah, Clay had me be, I, I don't know. Did I have children when you started with me? You did. <laughs> okay. So I don't, I, we, we do have some unique stuff. We have our, our, we have boys that were born on the same day, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Dave and Dave, and, Dave and, uh, is it Gabriel? I think, or, or is it Daniel? Yes. It's, it's Daniel, my Daniel. It? Yeah. It's my Daniel and your David, I think. That's right. right. That have the same birthdays. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about how, how you guys came about. I mean, you've done martial arts since you were a boy, I think. Uh, didn't you Clay? Didn't you do some when you were a young teenager? So I, I started at 10, you know, my dad took me, my sister and him to 
that Ish and Ruth school that used to be on Reseda, Jim Appellion School, and that's where I started. And um, we were there a while, and for whatever reason, we stopped. And um, then later, through a guy I worked with, you know, I found out about the Chuck Norris school that was in Reseda at that time. And we joined that. And that's where I first found American Tom Sadeau. And in that school is my first contact with Grandmaster I happened. You know, we went to a tournament um, when I was in Orange Belt at his school. And, <laughs> you know, I hadn't met you guys yet, but that was back in the day where you had Bill Parent and uh, Bob Burbage and all these guys of schools, Grandmaster I, all these throwbacks to the Chuck Norris schools throughout that were littered throughout the valley. And uh, yeah. You know, that, that school, I was part of that school for several years and uh, it, it moved to like three or four different locations at the time I was there, you know, and then they went down to Texas to do Walker and I went off to Bible college and, you know, um, always wanted to complete my black belt. You know, we put that stuff first and then I got back and that's when I found your school, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if you remember this, I came down there checking into classes and you know, because I was a, a pastor at Faith Baptist Church at that time, one of the assistants, uh, there just was no classes on my schedule. And I still don't know why you and Bo did this. You guys came in. If you remember this, you would train me at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. and ride from see me to do that. And yeah, I remember oh, that you did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I guess when uh, it's funny when you put uh, people, uh, you know, God soldiers in your way, you're going to have to do what you got to do to to do it you know you never know what you're called to do or what's what, what something is going to happen as, as things go on but I, I remember doing that for you for sure and uh you know uh, i i forgot we talked about that you had jim appellion school did you know that I, I don't know if we've had this conversation before but ishinru is something that i started with did you no, know, I that? Didn't know that yeah isn't that that's, no. that's 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 unique i m maybe people here don't know that at all but Believe it or not, I worked at a women's shoe store called Leeds in the in the in the mall. And one of these um, managers, his name was John Butler, and he was a black belt in Ishinru. And I actually started taking martial arts with him in his garage. That's where it all started, and that's where you know the you know I've always had kind of this love for it. But he's the one that started me, and then of course I followed him. My brothers footsteps to Mr. Eyes is what I ended up doing. So, but I didn't know. Yeah. When I, I remember you talking about Jim Appellion school Isn't that amazing that that school you're talking about still is a school. That so thing I has changed. That. Yeah, that thing has changed hands. I don't know how many times, but it's always been a martial arts school. It'd be weird not to have it as one, uh, believe it or not. So, um, so we had, so yes, we had you guys come and, uh, you know, we had you guys come, and I want to talk about the story about um, about your son, your firstborn, on how that was and what the school kind of did for you and, and, and how that kind of rolled in. So let, let's let's have a uh, let's have a talk about that on what happened so, there on your first boy. So, Mark, your school played a really powerful role in our lives. You know, I we got involved with the. The school, you know, we, we we went back to California. Originally, Debbie and I were going to be church planting missionaries overseas. And, you know, when we went back to Faith Baptist Church, the church had had a, uh, an, an issue, and I wanted to help the pastor 
So we took like a sabbatical and, you know, Debbie, as it happens, she was pregnant. And, you know, when we got there, the baby was delivered prematurely. He had a four part heart defect called Tetralogy of Flow. And, you know, that was a, a difficult thing. So in my life and in my ministry up to that point, my experience in my my Christian life was that God always did the miracle. And, you know, I was an assistant pastor. I'd been trained as a pastor. So I came back there. I was a, this church is, a, you know, you know this. They, they run about a thousand and had a Christian school a little bit bigger than that. So we were there and, uh, you know, it was it was a blessing because they, you know, we were back on the church insurance. And so we didn't know the baby would be born like that. And, right. you know, he had three heart surgeries in the first few days of life, first eight days of life. And, you know, I'm going to say the Lord took care of us because we never paid a penny of those surgeries and they were hundreds of thousands of dollars. But after six months, unfortunately, they thought they could fix them. And we were, you know waiting to get to that point in time and me trusting that there'd be a miracle and the miracle didn't happen. They did the surgery and they nicked a abnormal coronary artery. And I remember that surgeon staying for 12 hours or so, opening him back up again, trying to save him because his, his heart was beating, but it wasn't contracting. And, you know, that was a hard one. Uh, dark, one of the darkest days of our, our life in ministry. And Debbie and I were young, you know, I mean, we were, you know, we, we weren't, uh, I think I was like 30, 31 and, you know, she's in her early twenties. And so the unthinkable happened, you know, he died and I, here's the role the school played. Okay. I should have been able to get everything I needed through my church. But for whatever reason, that wasn't a reality for me. I'm not saying that God didn't help me. He did. He gave us grace. But it wasn't enough for us to recover. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's the role the school played is it gave us something positive to work for, to rebuild our lives. And so it's, it's like you said, you never know what you're going to be called upon to do. So I, you know, this is a humbling thing, you know, and I, I don't share this with too many people, but you already know this. Had it not been for that tragedy, these schools would not exist today. We would have went a different direction with the ministry. Uh, but because of that, and because of my pursuit of the black belt with you and you making that happen, you know, with, with our move back here, I mean, I moved back here to Georgia as a first cup red belt and had to fly back and test if you remember um it, it had a major impact on our lives so it resulted in us teaching all these people that we've taught and a, a life changed direction instead of us going overseas we remained here and you know we moved back to georgia and did that so uh it was a healing thing and so martial arts is a really positive thing if you get with the right people Okay. And so God used you and your schools uh, to do that in our life. And, you know, I, you're, Mark, you're like this giant bear with a big heart. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard that quite often. So that's, you know, that kind of thing that your, your sensitivity to that certainly helped, you know, wanting to, to build us back up. But, 
you know, that kind of healing lasted a lifetime. You know, I don't, it doesn't, it's not hard for me to talk about it now. You know, I'm, I might get a little bit emotional, but I don't watch videos or things like that. But, you know, I, uh, we processed it and, you know, God gave us two more boys. They're both martial arts masters today. And, you know, Joseph would have been, we were talking about this last night. He would have been right at about 28 right now because Daniel's about to be 26. Okay. And, you know, but <laughs> that six months was a great six months and with him. And, um, you know, so it left Debbie and I reeling, of course, like any young couple. I mean, how do you, there's no preparation to get past something like that. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, I remember when, uh, I remember one thing that you talk about when you did it. I remember you telling me, I don't know why this sticks in my head, but it's always stuck in my head that you, you told me that you knew that your son was going to pass. You knew that you, you asked for healing, but you knew it wasn't God, God was going to take him. I remember you telling me this. So remember that? that? Yeah, I do. And you know, what happened was we were praying for the healing. People from the church came down, pray with us, of course. And you know, you're the assistant pastor. God's supposed to heal the boy. And, uh, you know, and I'm used to the miracle happening in my life. So we're there as he's, uh, the surgeon's opening him up and we're there. He's trying to save him and get the heart to contract again. And I remember praying and it was just that small, still voice. I just, uh, heard there'll be no miracle. And, you know, so what it turned into was we shared our faith with the physician and uh it was a very humbling thing Le left me you know for the next year i kind of struggled in my relationship with god not about it but my prayer life you know because mm -hmm. up till then the pattern has always been the miracle and you know it's like i said though looking back now after all these years i could see the providence in that because god used it to redirect us to do what we spent a lifetime doing. We passed on what you gave us. We helped tons of people, produced black belts, built people's lives. I, I mean, we're trying to do the same thing you did for us. And I, I think you'd agree with this. What one thing we do is we empower people's lives through martial arts and we try to generally make them safer. Okay, if, if I had a mission statement, that's would be what it is. And the other thing we got from you is never ending improvement, you know, and uh, always, always bettering ourselves and being more and helping the schools to have the best programs they could have all that stuff. And, um, so yeah, that was a hard thing to hear that, that there'd be no miracle. <laughs> Thankfully we haven't experienced anything like that again, you know? Um, but the odd thing is, you know, in the course of our life, we've come across at least four to five other people whose child had that defect and uh, we, mm. we were able to help them. Okay. And most of those children are still alive. So that's a cool thing. Yeah. So, you know, listening to, listening to the stories again, I'm thinking, wow, that's, uh, uh, even though Joseph's death, the tragic it was, it, it also turned into thousands of people that, that you've got to impact, you know what I mean? And so that's, uh, you know, his small life for a small time he was here impacted thousands of people. People don't even know that. You, you know what I'm saying? They don't even know that it's, it's your son that, that made it all, that made it all, all possible. And, you know, so 
it, this is, you know, we talk about some real talk, you know, I always, you know, you know how I am. I, I, I'm, I'm about, you know, having these real conversations. And, uh, I think I called you when my, when this happened to my nephew, you know what I mean? When, Sorry. when we're like, you know, that, that took me back where he went through surgery and he was good. And then a week and a half later, he, he's just taken. Right. I'm like, what, you know what I mean? It, it was, it was, that was a blow to all of us. Right. And right. You don't, yeah, you know, I didn't question if we have God because you don't have those feelings without knowing God's present. Now you may not like those feelings, but, uh, it was, but it, that was hard on my, on, on my prayer life. That kind of affected me for a minute. Cause I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. And, uh, and how is that even possible that you sent him through the surgery and then took him home afterwards? I mean, you know, so that was that, you know, those, those, I know that we talked about that, um, also before. So, uh, be, I, I want to let your students know that, um, to, to know where the, the history of, of, of us were. And, you know, I, you're right about, you know, I do have a heart for those that hurt. I, 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 I don't know. I just, that's just something that I have, you know, I, I'm a pretty gruff as far as instructor goes. I mean, I'm a tough dude. I mean, I'm an old school, um, you know, hard ass type of dude, but yeah, I don't, I don't really like seeing people suffer. It's not, it's not in my, it's not in my nature. And so, you know, I remember when you guys and, and, and Debbie seeing Debbie just broken was just not easy, you know, for, for what, was and I think uh, martial arts really helped your wife out too. I I, I really feel that because she's you know she's kind of a beast in her own right. You know what I mean? We're gonna and why we're on the subject of your wife and I know she's watching this. I know she is or listening to it. One of the two. We will have her as a guest, even though she doesn't want to. So we're just gonna let her know that right now while she's listening. So uh, <laughs> because getting stuff from her perspective will be a good, will be, will be a good thing. So, uh, anyway, I think what happened to clay, I think we had the earthquake and that's when you guys decided to go, uh, look at, she, she, see, Debbie just put in a crying, uh, emoji. See, see what she's done right there. I put it up <laughs> on comments. So, uh, and you, I, we have Benjamin that said hi to us there just so we can acknowledge everybody. Benjamin said hi. And, uh, so Ben's our friend in, uh, Poland, Germany. So we got someone in Germany listening, huh? Yeah, we do. Yeah, exactly that's awesome. Poland, but. That, that's that's good. And JD's on there online too. So, um, yeah, having some international uh, uh, letters on it would be good. But this is one of the main reasons I wanted to see uh, have you guys on because I I think that first of all your story. Um, um, here's somebody else saying hi to you, Clay. Yeah, TJ. He just opened his school up in Tennessee. Up in Tennessee. Okay, good. Good. So he's kind of new. It looks like he has Jack Hogan with him on that picture. And we'll talk about one Jack, of Jack in a minute. students too. And yeah. uh, one of Y.A. Smith students. A good black belt. Very good black belt. <laughs> Karen just told Debbie I just put you on spot. Karen, it's so fitting that you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I definitely... Uh, I definitely want your students in and, you know, cause I know that you got to go some, I know that you've got to travel international a little bit with uh, some of the stuff that you've done and, and, and get to um, uh, 
you know, be part of this and, and you got, you got a following out there international. So that's, that's something else we'll talk about here in a second. But I really was, I, I thought it was important for people to know that uh, the community of a good martial arts school is going to come together in, in, in when it, when it comes to tragedy and you and I've had this, uh, you know, I think you and I have both experienced students that have passed away. Um, uh, you know, I, I've experienced it a, a lot more than I, I'd like to, uh, than I care to. And so, uh, I speak a little bit about that. I'm writing this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a book published by uh, January of 2023, the first week it'll be out in publication. So I've spoke a little bit about, about this, about death in the martial arts school and what, you know, you know, you know, beyond, beyond the mat, uh, life outside and what, what a good karate martial arts schools and what you are as an instructor can do to, to a family to try and alleviate some of that, that grief and stuff like that and come around. I I've shared with you too, that the firemen were really, I never seen anything like it in my life. And, uh, you know, I really always wanted that. I really wanted that in the martial arts realm, but I couldn't seem to do it in our traditional martial arts. I just, I, I couldn't rally the, the troops. It's, it's, I've rallied the troops in, in our organization for Krav Maga more than I've rallied the troops in traditional martial arts. I, I find that they, uh, I, I mean, I hate to even say this, but I just find that they're a little more, uh, selfish to be honest with you about what's going on inside the school inside instead of what's going on outside in life and then you got a lot of these personalities that take place i don't know if you agree with this but i i've always felt that the mat does not care about your feelings number one it doesn't care about your religion it doesn't care about your race and it doesn't care care about sexual orientation the mat just is the mat and we get together on that mat and we overcome fears and we and we push forward through uh, uh, physical barriers and mental barriers, and that's what this mat does. And and I'm sure that you would agree that that's what's happened in your own school, if not yourself. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And yeah, you know, we live in the South, so uh, I was always pleased with the fact that it people's race didn't matter. None of that mattered, and people and i mean you taught me this and it's it's true that the mat is a place for a learning experience both positive and negative things that happen are our opportunity to teach and speak into their lives on the mat and some of that's character based some of it's martial arts based but you know character does count so you know i i was always I was always pleased with the fact that in our schools, there was no difference on the mat. Uh, everybody was there to train and the goals were the same. And so this is something else that I got from you inadvertently. We probably haven't spoken about it, but it's not about us. It's about them. You know, it's about student success and us, mm -hmm. uh, us building in them what we've tried to build in ourselves. Yeah, I think that uh, that's why I liked doing some of these interviews with some, um, you know, I've been super blessed to have uh, a lot of my black belts uh, jump into their own leadership and open up their schools. And 
you know, which, uh, which, in which a good school can infect the entire community with, with, uh, with grace and protection. I, it just does. You know, I know that, I know that my school is a beacon here in Chatsworth. I know people enjoy knowing they may not even work out here, but they enjoy it being here in Chatsworth. And I hear it all the time, you know, Oh yeah. We, I love going past your school all the time. You know, I, I don't know. They feel a sense of, of, uh, pride that there's something that's been around for 31 years, or if, if it's a sense of safety, they feel like, uh, there's a kind of this beacon of light in the, in the community. And I really think that's what martial arts schools, um, uh, should be, you know what I mean? I really do. So I think you guys have in, in this, in Statesboro, we've had some ups and downs when it comes to opening up schools and, and moving schools, getting through, uh, pandemics and everything else that we have to do. But uh, I will have to say how proud I am of most. I don't know any of the schools that um, are are ranked under me. I don't think there's any that have gone under through this pandemic. That's every awesome. One of, every one of them has persevered, done what they had to do uh, in their own way and come together. You know, even, you know, it's hard when you guys are out there. It's when I, when I go to Carson's and stuff like that and you're in your black belt test that, <clears throat> um, you know, we're, we're, we're still continuing on that, on that legacy out in, out there in the South. And you guys know how much I enjoy it out there anyway. I, I, I like, I like the people out there. I, I have like family out there. I got, you know, uh, it's like a second home for me, uh, out there in the South. So I've really enjoyed uh, being out there. I mean, Statesboro, I mean, we even bought a piece of property out there in Statesboro, you know what I mean? So, uh, it, it's just, it's just part of who we are. So I want to know, uh, Clay, when you, you had, uh, when, you know, so we, we keep talking about the, the growth from death, I guess, you know, cause we, we've hit, I guess that's one thing about it, as you get older, you realize, uh, when you get older, when people start passing away, it sucks. You know what I mean? Uh, whether it's students, uh, instructors, people that Bob Burbage, you know, he, he passed away not too long ago. That's another name that you, you had mentioned. And it's like, wow, that he's a huge pioneer in what we do. Uh, anybody that's listening and, and, and do any kind of tongue said, Oh, Bob Burbage is a, is a definitely a name that should be looked up. And then, uh, you decided to, uh, look at some other, martial arts and I don't know any of my students that don't do this by the way okay uh probably because I did it yeah. you know what I mean so exactly and uh you brought it back right I when we talk about Mr. Chikawa he I always brought stuff to him so I said hey I'd like to do this I felt that there's some deficiencies in what we do especially when it came to self-defense and I would go to him and I would say, hey, I really feel I feel led to want to do this. Uh, you have any problem with this? And we just ha happen to have a, a, a main instructor that encourage us to go do what we do and bring back to American Tongsudo what we learn and to grow it into be something even bigger. This is what he's always done. So it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, I don't know any of my black belts that haven't uh, went off and done something to further what they're doing, you know, and then we come back together and still do American Tonks at which is great. And uh, so I want to talk about uh, what you went and looked at and how Jack came about for yourself 
And then we're going to talk about Jack's death because that was, that was, you know, that even when I, there, I don't know what's up with Georgia, man. We lose some good dudes out there, man. Okay. So let's talk about where you found him first and what made you go to him. Let's, let's talk about Jack for a second and talk about that. And we'll talk about what happened with him. So that's, that's an interesting question. You know, um, I found myself at a point after we opened this Waynesboro location where I was kind of burnt out and Debbie uh, had been looking at some videos and you created this passion for sticks and Debbie. Okay. So all these years she's been driven by that. And it was, it was something she went looking for. And uh, she found these guys on the internet that were doing our forms. She noticed they were using some pressure points. And there was a stick conference up in Atlanta. She wanted to go to this camp. And, you know, if you know anything about my wife, she's pretty independent. <laughs> she's gonna yeah, you tried that. really, you tried really hard, Clay, but you failed in that department. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> uh, she's, she just has passions and gifts and her own mission. And um, so it took me a while to learn to cooperate with that. But when I did, she went up to that seminar and, Bruce Chu and Jack were there and the HKI guys were there. And, you know, our, our whole experience in the martial arts world up to that point in time had been through you. And so everything we were used to doing and had learned to do, we were emulating you. And she came back and, you know, what, what blew her away was that these guys have been training together for 35 years and there was a group of them and it was like a family and it was outside of our family you know, our martial arts family, mm -hmm. there was, we didn't know something like this existed. Okay. So she came back, she showed me one or two things that Jack showed her, which was basically how to weaken the body uh, and knock down people's arms as a demonstration. And she did it to me. And at that time I was a pretty strong guy. <laughs> I'm like, there's no stinking way that my wife that weighs 125 pounds can do this to me. So it got me curious enough to call Jack, but, you know, I've been seeking out pressure point information for, I don't know how many times I looked on the internet, kept finding this guy in Australia and the materials were exorbitant and I didn't want to learn from the wrong guy, but apart from you, I never sought out an instructor. Okay. But I just, I wanted to meet him. So I called Jack up after opening Swainsboro and, you know, I said, Hey, I'd love to, uh, you know, to come down and see some of this. And, you know, I, I'd actually like to learn it. And he goes, well, I don't, you know, come to a seminar. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> so he just kind of said, you know, look, I don't, I don't take students anymore. Just come to a seminar. So after he said that to me and shut me down, he spent the next half hour encouraging me. <laughs> and so I said, well, let me come take you to breakfast. I mean, he was in Jacksonville. So I went to breakfast and in the first, five minutes after meeting me, he goes, yes. And I said, yes, what? He goes, yes, I'll teach you. So that's how our friendship started. And it was my curiosity about pressure points. It wasn't that I was looking for something outside of what we do. Okay. And I want to make sure that everybody understands that, that everything we had been given was the best in its area. Okay. The foundation we were given, how to run the schools. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Okay, so we were blessed to have you as our instructor. Okay, uh, so seeking Jack had nothing to do with any of that. 
it was my curiosity. And, you know, I, I, in all honesty, I was burnt out, you know, we've been doing this for a long time Mm -hmm. and I just needed something for me. So when he received me, that encouraged me. And then he came up and did a seminar and I saw some things that, you know, I, I just didn't understand that attacking the body based on anatomy can change everything. And so he started showing me that and I'm hardheaded, you know, I'm hardheaded. It took me a while. He looked at our heart style systems and goes, oh no, you know, it's going to take you guys a while. But that started the friendship. That first night he came, he sat out there till three o'clock in the morning in front of the school. And he starts telling me stories, you know, he's telling me how he's a Knights Templar was knighted in England. And he was a genuine Knights Templar. And there was all these stories. So anyways, long story short, Jack and I became good friends and I needed a friend at that time. Um, so it just, uh, and he was just coming to us, you know, it was not like we were trying to uh, get involved with HKI. Uh, that wasn't, so here's how he handled that. He goes, oh, Clay, yeah, I'm doing this little thing in Jacksonville. You know, you you probably like it. Why don't you guys come? So we've been working with him for probably a year. Debbie and I went to his house and, you know, it was, a, it was a friendship. So we showed down this event, and I'll be dogged if there wasn't 185 people from all around the world. And I'm going, Jack, this is no small thing. And he goes, Yeah, this is, we got a pretty cool organization. This is what we do. So that was our first, ex- my first exposure to Bruce Chu and, you know, Debbie's passion for sticks. So with Debbie, it was about the sticks. Me, I just curious about pressure points, to be honest. I couldn't have cared less about the sticks. I, I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot more now than I did then, but I, I just had this passion and I couldn't get past it. So that, that was the yeah. why, and we wanted to bring it back, but first it was just about me. It wasn't about putting it in our school. I think that's a, I think that's a valid point that, that we talk about because, uh, you know, this is where I suck at, you know, uh, when I, uh, started seeking out other stuff, it's not because, well, I thought that we had some deficiencies. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, I've, I've never, I've, I've been boisterous about that since the beginning of time. Right. You know, Our I just think event. that, yeah. yeah, I just think that some of these traditional stuff that we do in martial arts is so hokey and stupid that, um, it, I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't really fathom it. You know what I mean? So I, I went looking out for more, uh, self-defense based stuff, but, I think I want to, you know, we talk about being kind of uh, bored about what we do. I want to I want to hit on that for a second and tell people that this is a natural thing. Right. And I've been teaching for a long time. I've had a school for a long time and I hear parents all the time. Oh, I don't want my you know, my my kids are bored. And, um, you know, most of the time when when kids quit martial arts, it's not the kids that quit. It's the parents that quit. And because they just they're done with the fighting, they're done with, uh, you know, all that. And, you know, and being a parent myself, it's not like I don't understand that. And and I think we get passionate about the you 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 don't know what you don't know, man. Let them stay here until, you know, they can't stay here. You know what I mean? They're off to school or whatever else comes next in their life and they're getting a small job and. And what's going to happen and the benefits that come for that. But I me mean, as a person, I, I got the same way. You know, I don't want to say that, oh, I just got bored with Tong Sudo. It's not that I got bored with Tong Sudo. It's just that if I can't further my uh, my knowledge 
then how are my students going to grow? How are they going to grow? They're going to go elsewhere to grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're right. So I need to do, I needed a change to say, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to bring this back to the school and I'm going to bring this. And you guys have probably watched me over the years. I mean, you remember when I talked about Krav Maga, I said, I never do Krav Maga until I went and did it. And then I was like, oh man, I'm not going to not do it now. Correct. <laughs> and, and, um, and so I, I went after it and, you know, and then, uh, you know, the right coach comes along for this Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing now, and it's two years into this that I'm doing this. And this is another passion of, of me. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, people always kind of weird that, Hey man, you're 60 years old and you're rolling around with 25, 30 year olds. And I just believe that that's, this is what keeps me, uh, at least going is what I, what I can do. So I want people to understand that, uh, getting bored with the mundane doesn't mean you stop the mundane. You, you expand on what you have and continue with the mundane, right? Because, you know, you just, I, I want, I, I really want people to understand that on, and that's why I knew that when you went, and, when you go seek something else out, that it's, you said it perfectly right there. You said, uh, this was, it was a selfish reason. It was for myself, which I don't think is a selfish reason. I just think that, that, that if, if, we don't do that. We're not. Uh, uh, we're not going to expand our. How do we expand our students so we can't expand ourselves? And then what happens? And I see. I know you can agree with me, Clay, or not, but I've seen it where people just don't expand. So all they have is their one little art, and then they all they do is that's what they talk about, and it's this is the best thing, and this is the bubble I stay in, and if you go outside the bubble, you suck. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> right, uh, so, uh, that, this is, this is what I've, this is what I've seen, uh, yeah. my, my years of, of going. And, uh, you know, I, I hope, I, I hope that, um, I, I've, I've made a path for, for others. I mean, I see it in most of the guys that, that are, are black belts of mine that they, you know, they, they go into other things. I, I don't know any of them that have not And the stick thing. I, you know, you know how much I love that back in the day. And, you know, I've got students that are way better in stick. Debbie's probably way better in stick than I, than I ever was. She, I mean, she went to, to pursue it, which is an awesome thing for students. And I want you to uh, give me what your thought process is when you're, when you're trying to, what you see somebody expanding them themselves out to, how do you, how do you encourage them? What do you do in, in, in school when, when you're seeing it in your own students or so, are, that's a that's a great thing. So it all goes back to you. Okay, you were about never-ending improvement. We watched you bring in Hop Keto. We watched you do BJJ. I left there kind of too early to get all those things, but you were doing it. You were the example. And um, then when Krav Maga, we, if you remember, we both saw Krav Maga at that, I don't know if it was a Maya show or a Natma show down there in uh, Clearwater. We saw Darren Levine demonstrate it and his guys. And I told you then I love the self-defense because I had the same thought you did. I want our self-defense to be aggressive and brutal. And, you know, you you got involved with uh, that guy, that instructor from Worldwide. And the next thing I know, you went off to instructor training, came and you taught it to us and you got me in. And so that started that pursuit. But. You know, um, and we got a lot out of that, just like we got a lot out of Hop Keto and Combat Hop Keto and, 
you know, I got a lot out of the grappling that I did before I left, but, you know, we watched you expand to have better curriculum and you were the master of curriculum. Okay. There was always too much to do. Okay. To stay on. Top of it all. <laughs> yeah. And, and so then we found out less is more. Right. But right. that's, that's, but you, that's so you true. It, you know, one time you said, Hey, I want my school to be the best it can be. We don't want them having to go somewhere else to get other stuff to grow. So that meant we had to grow. Well, when I was at that place where I was burnt out, this is something I always wanted to do. It wasn't, I, I didn't realize what would happen, but uh, it certainly wasn't with the intent of leaving what we do. It was bringing it back. So you asked me about my students. So when they get to the master's level, you know, you always said that grandmaster, I didn't want them doing other stuff to their master, their own art. Okay. Well, when they get to that level, I'm telling them on their master's test to make a contribution and bring it back into the school. The same thing, because this is where we train. This is where we're influencing people. And I'm going to guess you're going to agree with this. Okay. But it's, you know, I'd be interested to hear what you say. But at this point, we've been doing this so long where so many other people have taught in our organizations even though we started it and originally set the pattern, what makes our schools great is all these guys that got it and poured into people and then brought more to the table. And they were doing it as a team member, not hurting the school. Okay. Mm -hmm. so that's what I encourage. You know, I, I mean, that's what I've seen in your schools and you know, what might not be my forte can be theirs, you know, I always thought of myself as a pretty decent kicker till I got, you know, knee surgeries and stuff. And then I wasn't so much a jumper anymore, but my son, Daniel's a way better kicker, you know, and Dave with the Chinese <laughs> weapons and Debbie brought in the entire stinking weapons program. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and then she's got four black belts. So, you know, I'm like, well, okay. I can't say it's just me anymore we're a family of martial arts masters and then all these guys we've trained that are working with us that's what makes the schools great so that's what i think is supposed to happen so the hard thing is is when you know maybe everybody doesn't want to go that particular direction i'm okay with that um so i feel like i've been i think you're going to agree with this man we've been blessed okay how we've had the best instructors in the world okay starting with yourself okay we, we really have we found people in those areas if it wasn't for what you taught us these schools wouldn't exist mark and then you gave me the blessing to go do it so that was always the spirit we had and uh jack just at a time when i was burnt out gave me an example that i needed and what mattered to me more than the instructor thing was the friendship you know i just why he chose to be my good friend i don't know but he did. I don't know. It's possible that Jack needed a friend at the same time as you did. You know what I mean? When you have a lot of students like that, it, it just, it's just a different thing. I mean, I really enjoyed Jack being at, at <laughs> testings because we used to make fun of you all the time. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I do miss, miss having him there and, and what that looked like. I just want to, uh, you know, I want to make sure that students uh, know kind of your story and what, what that looks like out there, because I think that, when it comes to, uh, I, I think that's just some, that, that's some real stuff. Uh, people don't, 
people don't talk about I'm, I'm just burned out. So they don't talk about being burned out. They just quit. You know what I mean? And they just move on to something else. And I, I see it on a continual basis. I see it in here with my teenagers now. I, I've got several of them this past year that are third degrees and like, oh, I'm bored. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm going to step away. Uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do physical fitness wise? Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe try sports. So when's it, when's that sports start? You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, they just give excuse after excuse after excuse. And, you know, parents are going to do what parents do. You know, not all parents. Um, this is one thing that's hard for me to learn that not all parents think like me. Wow. That's a shock. And, uh, uh, you know, I, and you know, it's, it, it's funny about personalities. It's really hard for me. I'm a super, um, type a personality. I mean, you, you know, me, you've been around me for a long time. Uh, I have no problem telling you how I feel. I have no problem, uh, being hardcore and, uh, but I don't ask people to do stuff that I don't do. So I figure that I'm a self-starter, that everybody's a self-starter. And if there's anything martial arts has taught me is that, uh, not everybody is like me, you idiot. You know what I mean? I, I, so, uh, I, I tell myself this in the mirror all the time. And then Kat will gently remind me like, uh, everybody's not like you or my son, Gabriel will look at me and go, dad, I'm not getting motivated by stuff like you do. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how can you not listen to this and just want to go conquer everything on the planet? Right. And so it's, it's a learning experience every time when I'm in my own children, my own students, listen to the other parents. Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just a, uh, it's just a growth process, you know, and I appreciate all the acclimates. I don't think everything, uh, by far is about me. I, you know, uh, I do a lot of things, uh, because if I don't, I'm going to get so bored in my own, own, uh, skin that I can't, I, I, I can't deal. So I've been super proud to watch all my, all my students and all the, I mean, how many students, how many black belts you got now? 240 plus. 240 plus. Days. Right. And so we're in the six, seven hundreds now, something like that or close to 700 now. And, um, you know, and then you've got, uh, Carson who started with you with, you know, I think he's over a hundred now. And so, and now you got your own students, uh, you got your own boys that are got their own schools, and I believe that they have, I believe that Daniel's already got some black belts of his own now at this point, right? So, yeah, I remember a time or two you came and you were, you know, the leadership part of you was sizing up some of my students thinking who could run programs. You're making comments to me at one point. You know how that changes throughout the years. So here, here's who we have that are producing black belts now. See, I, I think it's one thing to teach. It's another thing, like when you first took us through the black belting process to take and groom them, or I mean, I use the word terminate. I know you guys make fun of my words, but the, to complete them, okay, <laughs> to, to get them to where they really are black belts. So the, the system you and Grandmaster Farbors gave us works like stinking gangbusters. So the, the cool thing is we're cranking out black belts every six months, okay, and the pandemic interfered with a little bit of timing on that. But uh, so Debbie, Debbie just did something amazing. She took a boy in a chair, Ethan Bubnick, mm -hmm. translated our real system into a language that he could get and do in his chair. And that kid is a bona fide black belt because 
he understands everything he's doing. It's not, it was no, I mean, he may be special, but it was no gimme. Okay. But what was amazing to me is she translated it with no forward movement for him. And it was mm -hmm. a real thing. So she produced right. a black belt and translated our system into another language so we could get it. That amazed me. So she's producing black belts. Um, and she's the special kicks person for however many she chooses to do that for. Then Daniel is producing black belts. Dave is building students and uh, he's teaching them on higher levels. He's just not, uh, he ran the school here, but he certainly could be producing black belts. Shane is producing black belts. He is the team trainer now. You know how it is, man. I like to control things too. Okay. I, I don't know how many teams I train, but he's a unique oddity. When he went through the black belt process, you know that push and that pace is hard. It's relentless. It doesn't stop. So when we got done, he, he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop the pace. It, it drove him crazy. So the only solution was to make him the team trainer. So every single black belt process he has trained through since that time. Okay, so all these guys in my schools are producing black belts. Then Mr. Anderson, who uh -huh. is the head instructor of Twin City, showed the aptitude and he's produced now black belts. So they're yeah. all producing black belts. And yeah, that's it's, good. It's a cool thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that that you know it shows true true leadership when uh, when leadership goes through. I mean, a lot of people talk about leadership, but um, and read books about leadership, but until you're in, the, in until you're in the fight, uh, you know, leading those through uh, through the stuff that you've gone through, so you don't make those same mistakes. And I think uh, you'll probably agree, Clay. That's probably why our kids are so much better than us. And, you know, I've talked to uh, listen. So I've talked to a couple. Uh, anybody that's listening that does martial arts, yeah, you have a friend here named Mario that says hi to you. Yeah, um, he's Clay. from Germany, man. He's from Germany. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, TJ had a nice little blurb about you know sees respect and love you as a friend. You have a personality that just just draws people to you. Hmm. Yeah, your personality draws me right to you, Clay. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> see, we're just somewhat alike. So, that's so uh, the uh, people may not know this about Mr. Pearson, but he had kind of an out of control problem when he cracking people coming up the ranks. And there was only one man that could put him in, in check. And that happened to be me at that time. So you can know. we tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I was famous for this statement. Well, I was trying to hit you. I wasn't trying to hurt you. And so <laughs> like after, after first Don, I, I, it took me a while to get back to California, you know, trying to go to second Don. So I'm coming back to your school. And I, this is back before Krav Maga. We're still using those little punches and stuff, you know. And yeah. so I come back and it's fight night. And I'm like, man, I got to undo this bad reputation, <laughs> and this out of control reputation. Right. So you stuck me in there against uh, Topper and Topper was wearing boxing gloves. And I'm like, oh, no, you got to hold back, dude. You cannot do this. in Mr. Cox's school, you, you got to undo this reputation. So what's Topper do? He throws a right straight and snaps my head back. <laughs> and, you know, at that time, he's like 50, okay? And he's one of Bill Parent's black belts, right? So, right. Uh -huh. And he was considering getting back involved. You were teaching his kids. So I kept having this temptation to want to go, you know? And I'm like, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. So he moves, and I throw this spinning back kick, and I pulled it, and he ran into it. 
and I broke his ribs. <laughs> now, the good thing was he got saved in your office after that. But, That's true. <laughs> we did. But, but that was the, the rep that I continually had. And uh, yeah, there's lots of these stories. So you might remember, you know, I, I hate to say this because I wasn't supposed to be this way as a pastor, but I was kind of arrogant about this and confrontational <laughs> so on my red belt test you remember the see me location oh i remember so you choose to fight me on that test and i threw some outside crescent kick up by your face and you looked at me and you said you just did that in front of all these people i am going to drop you on the the ground and arm bar you and <laughs> you proceeded to chase me around the mat and i'm like going he is not going to arm bar me but sure enough, we ended up there, man. I thought you were going to snap my arm. <laughs> One of those lessons, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. And, uh, mm. but that happened many times in my schools too, you know, it was always, and then there was just this thing, you know, after knee surgeries, yeah. you got to not just fight your way back up. You got to be on top. Okay. So my solution was fighting everybody in a day after I healed and, you know, I hurt some guy one time and I said, man, I just got to quit sparring because <laughs> I'm not trying to, and I'm hurting people. And, you know, it was a humbling thing for me. God just kind of took that out of my heart at a certain point. Um, well, but it took, a while. <laughs> it took a while. Well, I think that, you know, I had that same, I, you know, I had the same reputation, you know, coming up, you know, we listen, Chatsworth uh, studio and it's still known today. We, we train hard. We have hard roles. We have hard fight classes. Uh, you know, back in the day, it's like, uh, you know, either either you jumped on board or you didn't jump on board. And, you know, whether that's that, that's probably an incorrect way of looking at it, I probably lost a lot of people because of it. Same thing in Krav Maga. I had my own learning to do, and I think that's in life itself. And I tell people this all the time. The reason Michael and, and all of our other people are Carson or anything, they're so much better than we ever were. Because there's a couple things, man. All we had is kind of our Tong Sudo and what it was to run a school, kind of like Mr. Ichikawa did, right? And Mr. Ichikawa was successful for his day. And so we did that. And it's not until we start looking on the outside and we started finding Andrew Wood or, uh, you know, uh, whoever else that we look to, to to grow a martial arts school. How do we grow one? How do we make a business out of this? Because we've seen very many I've seen a lot of people that are super talented, super talented fighters, super way more talented fighters than I ever was or a martial artist than I ever was. But they couldn't they couldn't keep their doors open. They couldn't make a you know, we're in the business of martial arts and we're in the business of making leaders. That's what I believe that we do. We're not just a, a karate school down the street. And so, you know, we're in the business of martial arts. And, and I think that all of our mistakes now, can you imagine all the stuff that. Now I've been doing Krav for 20 years now. Wow. I mean, that's that's amazing, right? When you think about it. It's actually 22 this year, but uh I remember like it was yesterday when we started that. Okay? And then, you know, g g way back when I got my master's belt in Tong Sudo is when I really started exploring other stuff. You were talked about Hob Keto. We didn't have anything for after black belts. All the weapons and stuff we did is all thanks to Mr. Farbors and and that whole thing. We used it as our higher ranking curriculum so that our students could learn something after black belt because we didn't have anything after black belt you know what how it was right usually you, you you had a couple forms and you had to get really good at first degree black belt stuff that's really what second degree was and so these students of today get this 30 years of 
of knowledge and everything else. So every generation I see, they just get better and better because, and I tell my, I tell my, my early on black belts, now they know how it was. It was hardcore fighting and everything else. But I tell them, I said, you know, the black belts of today will smoke you guys because you guys couldn't take a gun away from somebody. The ones today can or deal with a knife and not some stupid, you know, one-step knife technique or any kind of wrestling, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, you're going to get you on the floor. Now, can you imagine this next set? Now, for for a year and a half now, we've started little rollers. So we've started three-year-olds in wrestling and grappling. Do you do you have any idea when they put their Tongsudo, the Krav Maga portion, the Hapkido, and this Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they become 15 years old? what they're going to look like yeah. this, this generation. It's and I awesome. think, right. And I think that that is what the key to, um, not having the ego and let it go, you know, let these, let these young, let these young guys like, you know, your sons are the same way They're you know, your sons are way more talented than you ever were. Michael yeah. was way more talented than I ever was because he got all my experience and still has a body that can, that can that can yeah, that they, can handle it right and so they had it when they were priming yeah and i just think that you know if there's a if, if there's a message and you say if you agree or not but that when you see you know this is a probably the passion that we have as as coaches right um i you know i think that Let's see, I think DeRocher, he he was in church the other day and he put something on Facebook. Uh, let me see if I can find this real quick and, and read this because it was a powerful statement. Yes, it was. It was, it was from Tom Landry. You know, he was the Cowboys coach. And uh, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this. So this is what the pastor said. This is the quote he said. He goes, the job of a coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to be what they've always wanted to be. That is great. Yep. Isn't that a powerful statement? And yeah. so, you know, I'm like, wow, I want to, I want, you know, I, I reached out to Bo and said, Hey, I want to listen to that. Um, you know what that pastor had to say. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that the life lessons you learn clay in your, in your school. Now, now listen, it's no, it's not, it's not a big secret that that we're 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 Christians and and we follow Jesus Christ for sure. Okay, that's not there's 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 no ifs ands or buts. Now I don't preach I don't preach in 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 the studio, but everybody knows about what that is, and when they're hurting, tell me that the the school isn't isn't even more powerful than a church at times. Because the hurting, just like the mat shows no, uh, you know, it doesn't show any feelings as far as where you are in life. It, it meets you where you are, like the church should, right? And then yeah. we're able to infect people's lives. And uh, God just happens to be an important part of that. You agree? I agree. And I'll, I've told you this before. So I was an assistant pastor in this church of a thousand. And when I met you, it irritated me that I thought you were having a greater impact on the families in your school. At that time, there might've been 150 students or something, 100, 150 students. And I saw that and I'm like, you know what? I've given my life to do this. And 
he's having a greater impact through martial arts and the the so it'll i it's my opinion at this point and you may or may not agree but i think the school functions a lot socially like a church people build relationships their life impacting and so to me this is outside the box ministry you're saying what hitting punching and kicking people mm-hmm. now the fact that they do life with us and we're there like you said during the deaths the tragedies the high points and they got to talk to somebody so they're comfortable with those relations people are looking for a relationship with somebody that knows god more than they're looking for a church and they want you to pray with them and so i've always viewed it these guys that god gives us for a time and you know this they're with us for a time like you said till they decide not to be so the discipleship and the mentorship goes on for that time and then I, in the beginning it used to always bother me when they go but then i realized there was only so many so much room for relationships in my life on that level so what god did was he would get one guy and then he'd substitute and bring me somebody else and I was supposed to roll that go on and mentor the next guy. And I think it's a lot like that, Mark. And I think I've seen God work in these schools. So I'll give you an example. I've been trying to teach JD Lewis and Andrew Anderson, these guys that are Christians in my schools, about people's spiritual needs and how that the school can address that. And like you, I don't preach from the mat, but you know, we tell the Christmas story and about Jesus coming into the world at these Christmas parties. And we give kids an opportunity to know the Lord at that time. And I believe we did the math and it was somewhere around 600 people at this point as a minimum that that's happened. And so to me, apart from that family based, not just morality, but spiritual influence that's positive, I couldn't just do this, the martial arts thing without that. Okay. It had to be present. You know, I think it's an outside the box ministry. And I, you know, the the great instructors that have been in my life, they've all embraced a character development, be a good person uh, type idea, even if they weren't believers. And I've got several in my life right now in our circles, those other circles in Jack's organization. And I'm going to say my friend Ben that that think that way. Okay. And they're concerned with being a a good individual. and, you know, to all those guys, I would say that, you know, we, we want to help you experience the idea of being blessed in what you do. You know, I feel like we've been blessed. And I, I used to remember when, uh, I remember when Bo was coming of age and there's the possibility of him doing something different. And I knew that team had been made by God, you know, in my life. And uh, you guys were doing right what you were supposed to be doing, put there by God to do it. You said that we're a light and a beacon in these schools. We're gap fillers, man. We stand in the gap for the the community and for the land because evil's present. And the the best defense against evil is good men that are skilled that aren't afraid to stop it. Okay. And that's correct. Stop it. The bullying thing drives me crazy. That's what motivated me to produce Bully Buster. Because here's the thing you and I both know this we can fix it. So, this sense of responsibility to do that, whatever level we are permitted. You know, I, I felt that and I got that from you, bro. Okay. I, I got that. Whether we went about it differently or not, it drove me as a responsibility because when you handed me all this, 
and the other instructors poured into us, there's a responsibility to give back. And and that was taught at Red Belt. And you know, I know at Red Belt nobody wants to do it because they're they're insecure about them being able to do it. But right. If we don't give back, we don't grow. That's good. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. I, I, I agree hundred percent on that. I, I uh I think the lessons learned on the mat were uh uh just invaluable. I think that's what you know, this first book I'm doing talks about that, about beyond the mat, what it looks like, uh, and kicking and punching. It's an amazing that that's a tool that can be used to, uh, to create peace. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, right. That, <laughs> yeah. that this tool of learning how to, you know, how to do violence appropriately can create peace within yourself and, uh, within a, within a community. So, uh, we're already at an hour, three minutes, man. So, the, I mean, it went by really fast. I think that, uh, um, this was a good talk. I think your, your students will get a little bit more. We talk about this briefly at black belt testings. And I know you guys always allow me to, to talk a little bit, um, you know, about, uh, you know, where we are as an organization and the loyalty I have to Mr. I and to try and make sure a legacy is, is embedded, but you got a good legacy yourself out there. You know, I've told you always before, I remember, uh, when you were here all the time, uh, somebody was always getting saved, uh, when you, when we would, we would do it, uh, in my office or, or whatever. And, uh, it, it just seems to be the same way, uh, now. And you've got, you know, got some good guys, um, that produced out of, out of Statesboro. I mean, um, Carson probably has one of the largest schools in Georgia, period, you know, and that came from Statesboro karate, you know what I mean? And so, uh, you know, you got, uh, Anderson out there creating his own little thing. You got your boys out there doing it. So, you know, uh, if I can tell you something from my side, because people tell me quite often, um, wow, this legacy you've created and you don't really know because I don't really think about that because I'm just kind of in, I'm, I'm in the battle. I'm not really looking at it from afar, but I can tell you this. I was at my school the other day and it was all, I was all by myself. It was for, I don't know why I was here so late. I was here at 1130 and I was just kind of kicking back on the bleachers out on the main mat. And I'm just kind of watching and I'm just kind of looking around my school and saying, uh, this is what I was blessed to do in this life is to be able to have this school. And, uh, you know, it, it gave me a time to reflect on if I, you know, all the mistakes I made, but all, and I believe that I tell all my students this all, all the time. The first thing, your first thought about yourself is something negative. It just always is right. You know, if I told you, uh, you know, to my students, if I say, give me three things that you know that you feel that you're not really good at, and they will rattle them off like it's nothing. Boom, boom, boom. And if I say, tell me three things that's your strongest strengths, and they can't hardly come up with one, right? And so if that, if I can, as as a mentor, tell you, you know, when you look back with your wife and yourself on what you guys started out there, it doesn't matter the pitfalls and the ups and downs. It just matters what is right and and at the present time. And 
the constant never ending improvement that comes from that point where you meet, you know, you meet people in their life and you meet people at your life and these age differences. And I think that you guys have done uh, an awesome job together and something to be proud of. Wow. So I appreciate that. You know, you, you want the approval of those that mentored you and, you know, so you, you said it, any type of life endeavor, people make life mistakes along the way. And, you know, we've got this, um, motivational picture in the bathroom in Richmond Hill that said, you know, part of this thing about being a warrior is just staying on the path because you fight and stay on the path. We accomplish stuff. You know, the program works if you work it. And if you'll vest yourself in the right relationships, they'll be the principle of indirect benefit. Others are going to get it and they're going to pass it on. And, you know, we want to (laughs) know, we want to know that what we did mattered. Okay. And that the legacy is that we changed lives. Okay. Uh, and it's back to that thing of what I saw in your school, being in the ministry and wanting to have impact on people's lives. And the success part of that is first our kids. I love these guys that I meet that are family guys because there is nothing more important you know, I felt this obligation to train my kids. So when you were there and they mastered, I felt like I'd done my job, but you're right about their skill sets. They got everything we got and then they're developing on their own. They're masters in their own right now. And I never expected to see that kind of quality uh, out of uh, what we did in their life and the, the investment that was made. But it's not just them. It's all the students that that get it and stay. And you you made a, a point about this. When you burn out, when you when you're burnt out, you need to remember something. Those basics we have to do. You're not going to become a master if you don't do those things. And you don't throw away 20 years of martial arts or 12 years of martial arts because you get a little tired of doing the daily things. Man, I got tired of going to school too. Okay, you realize you've been handed a gift and you take and you make the most you can out of that and impact others. And that's what I feel like you you and I, Carson's done that. Okay, uh, you know, I always knew he should do a school because he, he had that desire to impact people. So, you know, I think we've been successful in communicating that. So the biggest thing that that I watched you do over the years was you help people foster programs and pass it on, didn't matter what art it was. And everybody's curriculum got expanded. Everybody's skill sets grew. And so, you know, I, I didn't I, I didn't talk about Jack's death, but Jack's death was hard mm-hmm. because then I had to. I had to grow to become what he had been training me to be, too, in his thing. And, you know, and, it, and I some of that I did for you, OK, because I wanted to see the validity of what we did uh, and to let you know that we hadn't been wasting our time there. And so I've met some great people through that. Ben's been online today, Jim Corn, these other guys that have been legends in the martial arts like you are. You're a legend because of all the programs you produced and how much you pass this stuff on and the kind of impact, you know, and I, they're legends in their own right too. And I say we were blessed. It's just because I got to be with all those guys. And uh, here we are in Podunk, Georgia, not no offense to Statesboro. <laughs> I'm from California, okay? 
it's just a small hey, trust me. It's, it's it's way better out there sometimes, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you learned to enjoy the South. So I guess it's you know it's not a fun thing to give you deer urine as a gift anymore. <laughs> well, it's, now you're one yeah, of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Every every time I go down there, I feel I, I even have a playlist that says Georgia's playlist on my Spotify. So this is what, and I enjoy these long rides down the country and all this kind of stuff. And I just kind of enjoy it, and I enjoy the people there and. And just the love that I usually uh, get at each place I go, it's, I don't know, man, it's overwhelming. And then, you know, uh, uh, when I bring Kat and and she gets all that, all the same kind of uh, acclimates, it's been good. And so, but we're at a minute, you know, an hour 10, I can go along for a little bit longer, but I, I wanted to give a, a shout out to these guys that are uh, international right now. I mean, that's pretty awesome for me to be able to be, uh, uh, talking to you, Clay, and then you've got people and friends that are in Germany and Poland and stuff like that. And if, uh, if I could talk to those guys real quick and I just hit subscribe and there's a lot of really good uh, information and other black belts that I've spoke to um, over the time. And uh, you got people here, uh, Clay, that you feel that would do well on a podcast from Germany or from Poland or wherever you your, your international poll is. I'd love to get those guys on and uh, get some perspective on what it looks in the international stuff and what their leadership looks like uh, in their own right. You know, my my podcast, oh, I, I started my podcast because I wanted my kids to have something. And when when I'm not here anymore to kind of be able to listen to or, um, hey, this is how my dad was or this is what my dad felt or this is what my grandfather felt, uh, you know, as and and have it as a as a way. I mean you know, the internet is, is, is a beast in itself, you know, so it's a blessing and a curse in all in the same time. And we might as well take advantage of it while we can to, to, uh, set, set, uh, you know, a legacy down for families to follow. And so we didn't have that. I, I mean, how awesome would it be that I could hear my grandfather and what he thought of back in those days and what, you know, what they went through or a great grandfather, they went through a great depression. What did that, what, what, what would, what would his words be and what would they mean today to, um, encourage other men to, to stay the course and, and, and be not just men, but you, you know, women also, you know, uh, just what it would li listen to my great grandmother, what, you know, what, what her, what she would be thinking at this time. So that's what I did these for. So I, I want to give a shout out to this international uh, thing that happens to be on here today. And, and uh, thank you guys a lot. Uh, if you, you can meet me a lot more by listening to some of the podcasts, just go to my, my website is markcox.com and you can see all the podcasts and all of them. They're all, they're all on there. Clays will be up there. The audio of this clay will be up today, by by end of day at some point, so if people will be able to go on YouTube. I have this on YouTube also at the Real Talk Mark Cox. And then uh, they can look it up on Facebook if they want to watch the video of you and I talking together. But the audio portion, the audio podcast of it will be up online and you can share it and people can listen to it in their car. I'm on all all things, Spotify, Apple, Apple podcast, all, all the main podcasting things you guys can go find me and, and subscribe to. So I want to thank you, Clay, for that time and I look forward. I'll be out there. We, I think it's uh, May May fourteenth, right? I'll be back out. We got black belt testing coming up, correct? We do. And uh, so, just to give a word to those guys, you're reaching out to the Okudan Circle, Ben, Jim Corn, Hogan Karate International. You guys in these other countries that are watching this, uh, reach back to us. You know, and uh, you know, you guys, your input's valid too. 
So Grandmaster Cox has expressed an interest to know you. So there's your open door and that's who they are. And they're all over Europe. And I would tell, tell Grandmaster Cox why these guys exist because George Dillman forced a lot of these guys to build organizations outside the United States because of his influence. That was not always, I didn't know him. Okay. But they moved to other places because they couldn't do it here. So they built these massive organizations and trained these guys overseas. Uh, that's how it happened. And, uh, you know, now you have some history on that. If you want to know who these guys are. Okay. Mm. It'd be good. We'll get, Thanks, we'll get everybody man. together. We'll get, we'll, we'll make this, uh, make this great. Oh, it looks like uh, I, I lost Clay. Clay popped out there. Want to thank everybody, guys. Real Talk, uh, Mark Cox is on Facebook, and it's on uh, Facebook. It's on Instagram. You can find it all there. Please go like and uh, uh, subscribe to it. MarkCox.com has all of my podcasts from the beginnings. I love you guys. Thanks for uh, International. I thank you guys for joining in from Poland, from Germany. We look forward. The martial arts is a small community, but leadership is large everywhere, and it's more than just martial arts. I appreciate you guys. Bye now. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.